And, and so people today say, oh, Tim, I mean, obviously you've got an assistant. You charge $1,000 an hour. And I say, no, 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 no. It's the exact opposite. I make $1,000 an hour today because I got an assistant back when I was charging only 40 She was the gateway wow. to me getting to where I am today. We stand today. The Business Method. With a shout out. The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, welcome to the Business Method Podcast, where we examine the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. Our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that had built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we are interviewing 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that generate a million dollars or more in annual revenue. There is a growing movement of people building these caliber of businesses and we wanted to get behind the minds, the logic, and the science of what it takes to build a business like this. We've had some incredible guests like Bobby Edwards, the founder of Squatty Potty, who built a $35 million per year company with just 17 employees, and JP Sears, the YouTube superstar whose videos are going viral all over the internet. I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and we hope you enjoy the show. The Business Method. Did you know that the majority of CEOs don't have an assistant? The main reason, they don't know how to properly train one and they'd rather be doing other things. Finding a great assistant isn't easy, but today's guest explains how incredibly powerful it is to get a great assistant. Tim Francis joins us today, and Tim is the founder of GreatAssistant.com. His agency has placed over 150 top-rate assistants, and he explains how most entrepreneurs are missing out on on massive opportunities because they don't have an assistant. I really enjoyed this episode because Tim dives deep and shares about hiring and training assistants at different levels and how his business has skyrocketed because he has such an incredible assistant himself. It's a great episode. And without further ado, let's welcome Tim to the show. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. And Tim Francis, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing great. It's a wonderful day here in Austin. How are you, Chris? Uh, I'm fantastic. Thanks for asking. And we were talking before the show, and you mentioned that you run these really this really cool Austin Supper Club for entrepreneurs. Is this right? Yeah, we call them the Skyline Dinner Parties, and almost every Thursday we have ten entrepreneurs that join. Uh, my friend and I we cater the whole thing. It's a beautiful view. We're on the 15th story, overlooking the Ladybird Lake. And we've had an early investor in Spotify. We've had just an incredible mix of entrepreneurs. It's been one of the richest and most beautiful, exciting, fun part of my one year in Austin so far. How long have you been, or where'd you get this idea, one, and how long have you been doing it? I realized a long time ago that I'm basically an old rich guy in training. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so I just asked myself, what do old rich guys do? Uh-huh. And I, and so along the path, um, I worked on my penmanship. So I actually have like really cool cursive writing for the most part. And, and I knew dinner parties were a part of that too. So I'm from Canada originally, and I hosted a bunch of dinner parties up there. When I came down to Austin, I realized what better way could there be to not only build my business circle, but also my circle of friends here in Austin than to do the same down here. Do you know a guy named Ron Lynch? He's in Austin there. 
Not only do I know Ron Lynch, he's been to my dinner party. Right on. I just hung out with him on an island in Croatia. And, uh, well, actually, yeah, we talked about that, didn't we? That you're part of Baby Bathwater. Uh, yeah, I spoke at Baby Bathwater twice. Yeah, very cool, man. Um, well, we missed you in Croatia because it was a great <laughs> great time. <laughs> uh, I saw the pictures. It looked amazing. Have you, um, have you been to uh, Ron's house, a.k.a. the Swiss consulate? You know, he's invited me a bunch of times, and I missed my most recent opportunity on July the 4th. I was on the road for four weeks. I was up in Canada and bouncing around and whatnot. And I came back to the U.S. specifically to have my first ever July the 4th on July the 4th. And I invited him to come to my party. And he said, what are you talking about? Like three weeks ago, I invited you to my house for July the 4th. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I totally missed the invitation on on Facebook. So I ended up having my own party. He had his and we had a good chuckle about that. Uh, good. Well, um, it's glad to have you on the show, man. And it's great to connect with you. I think that idea for having a supper club in, in whatever city that, you, that you're in is a genius idea for networking and bringing entrepreneurs together. I've heard of people doing it all around the world, Medellin, um, Barcelona, and um, kudos to you, man. I might have to implement that strategy. So welcome to the show. Oh, whenever, what, Go ahead. Go thank ahead. you. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, if you ever want any tips on what we've learned from having like over 100 people come through, I'm happy to jump on a call anytime. Now, I hear that you have actually kissed a grizzly bear. Is that right? Yeah, in 2005, I hosted a TV show. It was an educational documentary up in Canada about the history of Alberta, which is where I'm from. Mm -hmm. And along the way, I got to do some super, super cool stuff. I got to interview a top country music star on her tour bus. I literally met the queen herself. Wow. It was very brief, but I did meet the queen. And I literally kissed a grizzly bear, a 1,680-pound <laughs> grizzly bear named Alley-Oop. And it's literally the movie bear that was in Anchorman with Will Ferrell. And it was alive when you kissed it? Oh, my. Oh, yeah. It was very alive. <laughs> it, it, was, it was nothing short of terrifying. And what's cool is because it was in the TV show, we literally have it documented well, that sounds thoroughly exciting, man. And um, I don't know if I would be brave enough to kiss a grizzly bear. So kudos to you. Uh, welcome to the show, Tim. We're glad you're here. Uh, thanks for joining us. We want to get to know you a bit more as an entrepreneur. Um, you've got some amazing businesses going on. And I'd just like to get a backstory before we dive into the business side of things. So if you could you could, you could, could start off at whatever point that you, you want to that's uh, relevance that you think and just let us know how you became the entrepreneur that you are today. Yeah. So 10 years ago, I was in my basement up in Canada. I had three roommates just to help make ends meet. And I was excited because I was free, full-time entrepreneur and the future seemed unlimited. Things kind of change though, as a lot of entrepreneurs experience, as your business starts to grow, you realize there's like a lot of admin and operations minutiae that really starts to creep up. And before you know it, your business is no longer fun. And uh, instead, you got this long to-do list of stuff you hate doing. So I had read the four-hour work week like most entrepreneurs. And so I thought the solution was to go get an assistant overseas. I hired someone from India. She was great. Like just to make, like we're still friends on Facebook to this day. Great English, super kind person, very talented. Um, However, the issues of radically different time zones, um, different cultures, and and not so much language in her case, uh, but with other assistants I'd had, 
it just became very evident this was not going to be a fit. And I knew that it wasn't a fit as soon as uh, she went dark for an entire week. Like I had no idea where she went. What had happened was the electricity had been turned off to her neighborhood because there was a political dispute. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm depending on an assistant and this assistant is depending on infrastructure that is shaky on the corruption of India and, and whatever she was dealing with. So I said, you know, I'm just gonna do it all myself. I took all the work back onto my plate. I went, which was great. I was less frustrated. However, my workload went up again. Mm -hmm. And I went from 70 hours a week to 90 hours a week. And that was okay for a while until my exhaustion was was just not bearable anymore. Um, I actually had a couple of very stressful things happen that added to the exhaustion. So in 2008, I lost around $100,000 in the real estate market collapse. Um, mostly other people's money, which I was then forced to figure out how do I have all those tough conversations and how do I tell people how I'm going to pay them back. Mm. And um, I also had a mentor uh, who ended up taking about $20,000 from me. And it was later revealed that he was actually part of a $12 million pseudo Ponzi scheme. His business partner was convicted in court wow. um, up in Canada. It was in the news, the whole thing. And and the stress of all that, plus the exhaustion that I had, um, I actually developed an illness. So on December the 26th, 2010, I noticed swelling in my ankles, and that spread up into my legs. And by New Year's Eve of that year, I couldn't stand. And what happened after that was uh, I got diagnosed with an illness called erythema nodosum, and for three full months, I couldn't stand and I couldn't walk. Oh, wow. So I had to move back in with my parents for full-time care, and my business went to zero. My personal finance was at negative $120,000 and getting worse. Um, I guess my business finance was at negative 120, but I basically, you know, it was like rock bottom for me. And had my mom not paid my mortgage for me for three months, I would have gone bankrupt. Hmm. So um, something amazing happened though, Chris. Something really, really amazing happened. I was laying in bed day after day after day, and I and I I had like very, very, very uh, an opportunity for deep reflection. And there was a day where you know I I'd say I'm spiritual, I'm not religious, and th there was a you know whatever your deity of choice is, I, I met that deity. There there was this day where I felt warmth in my body, and I heard such a quiet voice that I had never ever heard before. And, and that voice said to me, Tim, is this what you want? And, you know, Chris, it was one of those moments where I don't know if a second went by or a minute or an hour, like time stood still. Wow. And then I heard a second voice, which I, I later discovered was my own. And it was like, it was meek, it was weak. And it just said, Yes, entrepreneurship, this is what I want. And so in the days that followed, all these dominoes started falling in my head, my heart, in my gut, in my spirit. And, and what I came to realize was up until that point, I'd been chasing fame and fortune. And that I was done with that. That if all I did for the rest of my life from that point forward was become a craftsman, getting a little bit better at entrepreneurship with every week that went by, that that would be a life well lived. 
And so since 2011, April, when I could walk again until this very day, that has been my sole focus has been mastery of entrepreneurship. Wow. I know I'll, ne- I'll never get to the end of that journey. It'll be a lifelong pursuit. And that doesn't change the fact I'm not, I'm not still going to pursue it. So along the way, I also realized that, that life is a team sport and that business is a team sport. And that if I was ever going to fulfill my potential as an entrepreneur, I had to build a team around me. I, I read a quote around that time when I was laying in bed and this quote, Chris, it, it hits me in the gut every time I think of it. It's hell is meeting the man I could have been. Mm. Hell is meeting the man I could have been. And w- when that day comes that I meet the man I could have been, I want, I want to shake his hand and say, we did great. Like we really, really made life count. We built the business that we knew we could and, and we got there because we, we included other people in the vision. So back in 2011, there was no turning back in a few different ways. One, there's, I was, I was, there's no way I was going back to being a solopreneur and there was no way that I was going to go overseas again, at least not for my right hand person, maybe for other things, but not for my right hand person, my, my great assistant. And so I had no idea how I would afford a North American assistant. I had no idea what I would delegate first. I, I had every, I didn't know how we could release control and trust an assistant. I didn't <laughs> really feel particularly excited about having meetings or training or any of that, but the alternative was unacceptable to me. And so in that moment, I just went online and I started posting around looking for a North American assistant. I met a woman named Sarah. She's still my assistant five years later. And in the very beginning, it was a very modest beginning. I gave, she, she would upload podcast episodes. She would send invoices on my behalf. And she just worked like five hours a week for me. It was such a small, simple beginning. You know what, though? That began this virtuous cycle where I got five hours of my life back because she was doing a few things for me. And that meant that I could go to my clients and do a little more work for them. At the time, I had a marketing company and I was charging $40 an hour. So then I would take that $40 an hour and I'd turn around and I would pay Sarah 15 and I would get even more of my time back. And then I'd go back to my clients and I'd suggest even more marketing projects. They'd say yes. And, and so I was getting more and more of my time back, which then meant I could go and study higher level courses. I could network at, at higher level events, which then generated more money for me. And that meant that my consulting rate could also climb. And before I knew it, my consulting rate went from $40 an hour to 50 to 100 to 250 to 500 to today. It's at $1,000 an hour and still climbing. And, and so people today say, oh, Tim, I mean, obviously you've got an assistant. You charge $1,000 an hour. And I say, no, 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 no. It's the exact opposite. I make $1,000 an hour today because I got an assistant back when I was charging only 40. She was the gateway wow. to me getting to where I am today. And so what I what my skill set developed into was management consulting. I was working behind the scenes of many, 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 many businesses, mostly in the internet space, acting kind of behind the scenes as an operations person with them. And I noticed again and again and again that the CEOs just didn't have a great assistant. Not always, but often. And and I, I kept solving this problem for them by helping them to get a great assistant. And finally, one day I just said, goodness gracious, there's a, there's a business waiting to happen here. 
So I self-funded a second company. Um, the second company is called Great Assistant. And I now have a team of five people working for me in that business. And we've, in the last couple of years, we've now helped hire over 150 assistants for entrepreneurs in North America. And here we are today. Wow, man, that's a great story. I've got some questions, Tim. Uh, <laughs> you need answers. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few. I was writing them down as you were telling your story. Um, the first thing is I want to go back to that moment when you chose the path of entrepreneurship um, and applying. And, and I want to ask you, what what was different for you in the mentality and the application before that moment and after that moment leading up to today. Does that make sense? hundred percent. Okay. The, the word that comes to mind for me is surrender. Okay. And, and after, after I'd read books like the four hour work week and other books in that ballpark, I very much had an attitude of this business is about me. Like, no, I will not answer emails except for 38 minutes in the morning and 12 minutes in the afternoon and don't bug me any, any other time and screw you if you want a meeting with me, mm -hmm. right? And I, maybe that's not how it was originally intended. That I guess that's just how I read it. And that was what seemed to be the culture surrounding, surrounding the book. So that was my attitude before I got sick was very much like, almost like this business is about me. And I'm going to take, like, this is about me taking and me getting what I want. After my epiphany, it became almost the polar opposite. Not quite, but almost. I surrendered. It's like when a parent has a child, you don't get to say to that child, I don't feel like feeding you today. Or I don't feel like waking up to, you know, change a diaper or something. That child needs love and attention and care. And it's the same thing with a business, right? Mm -hmm. So I just surrendered to my path and I surrendered to my business to say, I, I will answer the call. When the business needs something, I will show up. And yes, that means some late nights. And yes, that means sometimes meetings I don't feel like taking. And maybe that also means that sometimes I have to go learn or do something I don't want to do. Like maybe I don't love bookkeeping and accounting, but if it needs to be done, I'm going to show up and get it done. Right. So that, that surrendering to what does my business need next and what do, what do my customers need to want rather than, well, this thing is all about me. That shift in mentality has done more for me than uh, probably the – first 50 books I read in my entrepreneurial journey. <laughs> and, uh, and actually if anybody wanted to read a book that felt like it was kind of echoing that sentiment, uh, what's that MJ DeMarco book? Is it called millionaire fast lane? It's got kind of a hypey title, but, um, he talks about a consumer versus a producer mindset. Hey listeners, we're going to wrap up the first part of Tim's interview there. And tomorrow we'll publish the rest of the episode. Be sure to tune in and we'll see you very shortly. 
Hey listeners, thanks again for joining the show. We wanted to remind you about our Get Shit Done one-on-one productivity coaching that we recently just launched. What we do is work with you to create big business goals that are absolutely game changers. We make a plan together and put you in our productivity hacking system that helps you stay on target. Each week you get a call with yours truly about what steps to take for the following week. Some say it's like a year of productivity in just three months. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com forward slash coaching. Thebusinessmethod.com forward slash coaching.